Episode 9 of the New Balances Podcast. I'm your host, Adam, and in the studio from New Jersey, I have my friend of 14 years, my best friend, Cassie. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming up. I'm excited. Yeah. So, we've been friends for 14 plus years, Mm -hmm. um, ever since the day I went down to New Jersey for the first time, uh, August... 2007, and uh, I met you and your outgoing personality, <laughs> because I'm not so much outgoing, but you were very outgoing. I'm pushy, yeah. You're, you're pushy. I'm pushy. Um, so, my listeners aren't going to know who you are. Some of them may know who you are, so give us a little bit of an introduction as to who you are and why you're here. Um, well, as Ka- you know, I'm Cassie, I'm from Jersey. Um, I am a teacher by profession, uh, so that's kind of like what I, I always say that first, like I'm a teacher, and everyone kind of understands that from there, but um, I'm Haitian, I am a, mo- a, a mother, a sister, a daughter, a friend, there's really not that much special things about me. I'm your best friend, mm-hmm. um, and why am I here? Well, because... I adore you, and I needed to get the hell out of Jersey for a weekend. <laughs> so, just, yeah. I hear that. Jersey's not the best place no, to no, be. No, no, Jersey is pretty awesome, but I, I just needed a break. Listen, okay. if I'm in Boston as a diehard Yankee fan, our friendship means that much to me. I appreciate that. But we're not here to talk about baseball. <laughs> and the rivalry. The rivalry. Um, but we, on this podcast, you know, I like to talk about struggles that people are dealing with and then uh, attempting to overcome those struggles Mm -hmm. and you have a particular struggle that uh, I feel most people struggle with at some point in their life right especially as they get older as they get older and women in particular too so tell us a little bit about your struggle and what it is Right. So, I mean, I'm 36. I'll be 37. I can't believe I'm saying that out loud in September. And um, and I'm, like I said, I'm Haitian. So there are certain expectations that people, my culture, society has about being a woman of a certain age and having checked off boxes. And while I've checked off, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got all my degrees, I think more than I probably need. I've done the right thing career-wise and looking to still advance. But the box that I haven't checked off is this idea of being you know, a wife and a mother, and as you get older, right, you know, society starts to peg you as maybe there's something wrong, and culturally for me as a Haitian woman, that stuff should have happened when I was 27, and so to be now 10 years into it and still be struggling with dating and feeling like I'm not good enough, I do, I wake up with this fear daily that I'm going to end up alone because I'm not with somebody or been having difficulty being with somebody, and it weighs heavy on you when you're trying to be there for everyone and then you think about well who's going to be there for me and is there something wrong with the fact that there isn't or maybe there never will be that is heavy yeah no the thing that i think about is you know i got lucky finding my wife Mm -hmm. um your adopted sister sister um you know i i got lucky with 
the dating apps and I know not everybody finds luck in the dating apps and mm-hmm. I know um, you particularly don't care for the dating apps yeah I'm not so tell me a bit about your experience with the dating apps and um, your your disdain for them if you will I, I would say that I have a disdain I definitely struggle with them and I don't have a sincere dis- I don't have a sincere love of them um, I think I'm not built for online dating, but because of where we are in the society that we're in, I have tried it. I do have a couple of profiles out there, and it's just, I read somewhere a long time ago that like dating, uh, online dating works for one, it doesn't work for one out of every eight women, so you would think that's really good odds, but I'm starting to get that I might be the one in the eight, mm. you know, of like, if you put eight women, then I'm the one that it's not working for, because you just meet like the worst of people you know the 70 year old grandfather who wants to be a sugar daddy and yes my bills could be paid but hold what on cost? you had 78 year old grandfather reach out to yeah. you to be a sugar daddy yeah he just wanted what was that interaction like so you, you know you get the message and the ding that pops up and the way like the online dating world works is they want you to pay if you want to see these messages. And in the beginning, I was naive. So I was like, yeah, you know, take my money and let's see who's reaching out. So this was probably very early on when I started trying online dating. So 2010, 2011, around there, I'd say, is when I really started to like focus on it. Because um, things just, you know, I'd broken up with somebody and it was my kind of go-to after that terrible breakup. So I knew you then. Who were you dating? Long Island. Oh. Yeah. Um, so I go, I go on and this gentleman comes up and you know you can instantly tell that it's not gonna go and you start off with oh you have a very nice smile that's always what they go to right as a the first intro conversation or hi how are you and I go back and forth with this gentleman and then right away he's like well I'm very rich I'm 70 he lived out in the city so he had like this big flat in the Upper East Side according to him and he just wanted companionship. And I said, okay, that's nice, but you were outside of my age dating. That's okay. I don't want sex. I just want a companion, and I will pay for everything. And but like my parameters at the time were probably what twenty six to thirty two was my dating window. You're outside of that. You wouldn't give up by about fifty years. (laughs) And he wouldn't give up. And I was like, you know, good luck. At that point, then you're hitting the block, and you're and you're next. But that's you know that's who I was getting. I wasn't really attracting people who were within my realm. Um, so I, I've had a, it's been fun with online dating in terms of the people that are out there. So there's a diverse group of people in the online dating realm. Yeah, and, and it's not always the cream of the crop. Like you and Betty lucked out because you two are two good people who found each other. But like I said. I paid all the money for all the apps because I wanted to cast a wide net and I was like, I'm going to pay for super swipes. I'm going to pay to see who likes me. Super likes. <laughs> uh, and the whole nine yards. So I was happy that we found each other. And see, yeah. I I was like that in the beginning. And then, like I said, you get... So that was one of my creepy stories. Another creepy story was a guy who was like very... I'm a, I'm a bigger girl, right? I'm not skinny by any stretch. Um, and I don't I don't lie about that on my profile. So you see my pictures. I You know, I click the curvy or the thick, whatever description that they have, I'm honest. Um, and the guy goes, oh, you know, I like big women. And I've never done one of those big 
BBW sites, um, Big Beautiful Women, there are dating sites that are geared to that kind of... No idea. Oh, yeah. No, there are. There are dating sites that are geared to people who want Big Beautiful Women or Big Beautiful Women who want to put themselves out there, which is fine. It's just not my thing. But the guy approaches and he's like, oh, you know, I see that you're a thicker girl. I like that. I said, okay, let's see where this goes. Do you snore when you sleep? And I'm like flag on the play because you already know I like to put my head on the woman's chest as she's snoring and that's my thing it's like you know no, we, no we're, we're skipping a whole um before the introduction and getting to know you phase and now you want to know if I snore when... yeah that was like the first message that's not okay so you you know depending on who you are and I think unfortunately and it's not good about the online dating world but when you're um when you are a woman of a certain size and you're putting yourself out there, you become an instant fetish for people or you they're not even seeing you as a person deserving of like real love and real attention. It's the, a flavor of the week. You know, a lot of, I've also done interracial dating sites because um, I do like the little vanilla to my chocolate, <laughs> as you know. <laughs> um, and so, but for some people, it's like they're only on those sites, not necessarily to meet anybody, but just to check off like a flavor of the week. So. I've not been very lucky in dating world, in terms of online dating. Yeah. <clears throat> so you mentioned, you know, for they there are studies done that uh, one in every eight women will be unsuccessful with mm-hmm. online dating. What have you done to be maybe meeting the, people outside of the dating realm? I will say I'm not that bold you know I sound like I'm bold about putting myself out there in terms of going up and speaking to people I don't go to bars often because of the nature of my job in education and and working with the church world you just don't have the time you know you're planning to be at work on Sundays so Saturdays you're like you got to get to bed early so you're not not at the club till three um so I I will say I'm probably not doing a good job of putting myself or like slipping my number into people's pockets or writing to each other at the market. That was a suggestion that I had for you recently. Yeah, well, that's I'm, I'm going to try, but I'm not that confident in terms of that. Okay, so... Uh, I will maybe give him my number when I go back to work. Oh, okay, so that's a step in or the direction. Or maybe just get to know his name. Yeah, getting to know his name is probably like a good starting point. Yeah. You know, um, don't... Uh, you know, say, hey, let's get coffee and see, like, what you can do to volunteer at the church. Like, you know, if you're going to be getting to know his name, be like, hi, I'm Cassie. I'd like to get to know you. What's your name? <laughs> I know. Yeah, you're... It's so easier said than done. I, I know. For men, it's easy. So, like, again, back to all the studies, um, with, with online dating, guys have a, a greater success rate in online dating and even leading into relationships than girls do. I think it's like three to one kind of a success rate because you guys, you know, it's, there's a whole market out there and you're unafraid to be vulnerable. Or Well, I think the one of the things a friend told me when I moved here to Boston and started dating, he said, it's a numbers game. It he is said, you game. have to, you know, for every, you know, 10 failures, you'll get one success story, mm-hmm. you know? So it's just... A battle of attrition. You just got to keep doing it until you find one and constantly put yourself out there. But I think with the difference between men and women, and I could be wrong, but like the fear of rejection is less for you all than it is for us. Would you say? I mean, to a certain extent, like you, 
you don't know what's going to happen until it happens. And then if the answer is no, you say, okay, it's a no, and you move on to the next. But it's, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's not as, like, soul-crushing for you versus, for me, it's like, you know, that no, it just takes, because it, it makes you think back, well, what did I do wrong? What was I not good enough? Why didn't I look like whomever else that they were, you know, going after? So it's 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 tricky when you're on... I mean, you hate to make it, like, gender-specific, but right. there are some gender mindfalls that you go through. No problem. Um, yes, there are the minefields that you have to navigate, but at the same time, I feel like it's a... Uh, I never approached it with, like, I'm trying to make you my wife on date one. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to get to know you. And I started to try to build the friendship or the relationship before there was, you know, the idea of an uh, intimate relationship going on. So that way you have the basis of what you are with somebody from a, coming from a communicative standpoint so that you know who you are. Uh, you the plural you yeah, like yeah. so you okay we we're friendly we get along we vibe together mm-hmm. and now we can build something off of that right rather than hey I want to get in your pants which people put that out there yeah people you know as long as they're honest and open with what they're intention. looking for and yeah. their intentionality uh, I think that goes a long way mm-hmm. in the dating world but people aren't always upfront with no. their intentions or they say one thing but it are means something else. doing something else. Yeah, like either one of my I have more horror stories. I will say I've gone on a couple of dates and recently, you know, at the start of the summer, I kind of another fizzled out. I had a Zoom sort of relationship for like a month and a half with, you know, someone who shall not be named. Um, so I, I do try to like give online dating a chance. It just like I said hasn't been successful. But one of the things that I do, uh, I recognize in myself because, like I said, I know I'm not built for online dating. I'm going to try it. Maybe it'll be successful. Because I can count on my hands and toes the number of friends who have had you, my cousin, Carla. You know, like, there's so many wonderful people who are in great relationships having been online. I seem to just not be, which is, and I I get stuck in that. Um, But I also think a lot of my culture plays into it because... You know, not being born in the States and coming here and kind of being raised between two worlds where I was going to school and being raised American outside of the home, but inside my home, my grandma, we were very much Haitian. And so a lot of the old culture and expectation has lived with me, whereas my younger cousins were born here, right, raised less than with my grandmother. So they, you know, it's acceptable. Um, so I hear, or I put into myself that if I were to meet someone online, I'd have to kind of like fabricate our our meat story in our relationship beginnings because it just wouldn't be acceptable by some members of my family. Like, why couldn't you just meet someone normally? Like, what is so not okay with you? And and probably some of that is internalized, but I just know certain expectations as... I also don't think it's uh, so much uh, what... There's nothing wrong with you. You know, it's what's going on with work and with I know you you're talking uh, cultural like there's a lot put on you uh, via the family and having to help care 
for your grandmother and your parents and uh, being a caretaker for them. So there's that added uh, pressure. It's not what's wrong with you. You have so much love to give. Right. Your cup runneth over, but your cup needeth to be filled as well. Right. So. It's just, it's, that's the part that's missing. You keep pouring out, but it's not being refilled in the um, sense of affection from... Outside of my from normal out. circles. Yeah. Right, and then therein lies the fear, especially, like I said, you know, being a woman of a certain age. And, and you know, you look at it like now that the younger generation, and, you know, my younger cousins and my brother... Who I'm very, and I want it to come across as like I'm bitter that they're all in happy relationships and I still hear struggling. I would never want that. But is there a twinge of like, why not me or when me? Of course. Like, and and so as you see all of them progress and you're not, then there's like, well, in, four, in 10 years, will I still be here? Will everyone go off? Because at some point, my parents are going to go back to God, my grandmother will, and then what is going to be my where am I going to be pouring out, you know, my mm-hmm. love then, and who's going to look out for me then? So that's part of the fear that that's definitely the struggle these days. It wasn't so much so 10 years ago, um, like I said, because I was, you know, coming out of one thing and being hopeful and kind of seeing, oh, there's still time, there's still time, but then you come to a point where is there still time? And I know I'm young, and it could happen. There's still time. There's still time, but biologically as a woman... You don't know when... Right, when it's going to happen. And so I, I live with that daily, and I don't like to voice it to too many people. Of course, you know, you and I talk about this often. Um, and from a guy's perspective, I love when you give me advice. Um, but I don't tell a lot of people because I don't want the pity, and I don't want them to feel like um, that I'm not going to be okay and therefore feel that they have to treat me differently Mm -hmm. and so so as far as the uh, fear goes with the expectations built into your family structure because you do come from a culture that I have only briefly been exposed to um, what is the pressure like at home for you to because you're the oldest right yeah what, is there any pressure for you to get married and to have a family and then eventually take in uh, Gaga and your mom into the your married home? <laughs> into my married home. Um, I will say I've been very blessed with wonderful parents. So growing up, whereas my I have an older cousin who's about 10 years older than me, she was consistently getting the pressure. I didn't get that from my mom and dad. They were very much, we moved to this country, we sacrificed a lot, get the education, go as far as you can. You know, my mom is still on my case about becoming a doctor someday, um, and she knows it's not going to be medically because I'm the one Haitian woman who's not in nursing people. Um, so my parents have always been encouraging about doing what I wanted to for my career and for, for my education. Outside members of my family, that's where the pressure comes in. Oh, you're so pretty. Oh, you're so smart. Why aren't you with anybody? Like, and it began right away at college graduation with some of my aunts. Like, okay, that's nice. And it didn't help that I went to an all-women high school and an all-women college. So my graduation party. How feminist of you. Right? Pearl power. Um, But at my graduation party, when my aunt comes up, she goes, is there something you want to tell us? And I'm like, 
I just got a diploma. And she's like, no, 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 you've just, because I hadn't brought anybody home. I dated through college, but nobody was worthy in my mind to, to be taken to. Was she trying to insinuate that you had a Yeah, a, a was I lesbian? batting for the other team, essentially. It was yeah. what she was. I was like, no, I've been st- I was a double major. Can I live in this moment? So the pressure has always come externally for a long, long time. I've only started... Do you check them? Like, no. But it, is no. that not a cultural it's thing? Like, cultural mind your thing. business? No, God, no. Because your parents were told you to go and get the degrees and go to school. Yeah. And they knew this. But now that I was done with school and I was going to be a working woman, what was next? And, and they mean well. Like, I don't think my answer... I know it's not coming from, from a place, place of malice. But yeah. at the same time, like, you just graduated college. That's not an easy thing to do. Right. Um... But to then have family come at you, like... But you have to think, you know, it's all the very... Like, it's our immigrant background. For me to have gone to college in the States is a big thing because at home, that's not always the case for many, many young women. You know, they get married early. Like, you know, I think of my mom. My mom is probably an exception to the rule. My mom was married at 21. She had her kids early, but she got her education because her father drilled that in. And so, but that's not the case for everyone. So it's like, oh, you did the right thing. But next is this establishing of the family, because that's super important. I guess in all cultures, but especially in the Haitian culture. I always like to think of my family as the chocolate version of my big fat Greek wedding. So the same way that they were pressuring, uh, I forget the main character's name, it's kind of like that. Um, so externally, it was always from like my aunts. Like one of my other aunts, there was a TV show, um, Married at First Sight, and they were doing an open casting call. And she's like, oh, do you mind if I sign you up? And I was like... No, that's not good. But this, and they mean well. The pressure, and I don't want to call it pressure because that seems negative. The desire from my parents has now started to come in my mid-30s because they're getting older. You know, my dad, God bless him, big daddy's girl. And his birthday, his 70th birthday was last year during the pandemic. Kind of shut down all of the things we Mm -hmm. wanted to do. So as we were having like a little pandemic birthday party at home, I said, Dad, you know, you're 70, what do you want? He goes, I'd like a grandchild. And he didn't he didn't mean to make me feel bad, but talk about like a knife to the heart. I'm like, oh, if I could give that to you right now, I would. And he, it's just because he sees himself 70, you know. Now, last time you were up here visiting us, didn't you say that your mom or dad said you don't even need to be married just go give oh, yeah. them a, a, oh, yeah. a grandbaby that and there goes the change <laughs> now i'm like I'm, I'm past before if i were let's say you know 23 between 23 and 30 or 20 and 30 had i said i'm going to just go out and get a baby before marriage i would have been sent to the fastest monastery you could find because that's just not what asian girls do you get good catholic asian girls you get married you then have the baby now it's like eh. Just go do. And it's it's the same thing for like my brother. My brother's in a committed relationship, and God willing, there's gonna be a wedding out of that coming for them soon. Aren't they engaged? Not yet, not yet. Oh. The pandemic. Ron is kind of throwing a monkey's wrench into a lot of plannings for them, but they've been together five years, and then every time my brother pops at home, my mom's like, "You can have the baby now. Wedding? We don't we don't need wedding. Just have the baby now." <laughs> Um, they so just want to spoil a grandchild. That's it. They want to spoil. They want to see the next generation. My mom and dad, and I understand that. So, I've been sensing the desire from them. You know, there was pre-pandemic. Like, if I'm home on a Saturday, my dad will come up, and he'll be like, "Oh, you're here. You don't want to go anywhere." And it's you know, like there's a little bit of pity, but like sadness, just because I know his desire is different. 
Um, You're tired from working up teen number of hours at work right. when you shouldn't be, but right. we both suffer from too nice syndrome with work and <laughs> we're not going to sit right. here and critique each other's work habits right. and whatnot because, you know, pot calling the kettle black and everything. Yeah, and we, we do that too often already. Mm-hmm. But um, So the, the pressure, like I said, externally has always been around. Internally, the desire is starting to be voiced more so. And my grandmother is the last living of the grandparents. And it's always a blessing to have your grandparent at your wedding in the Haitian culture because there's like a special blessing that they do. So I know she wants to see that for one of her grandkids. And my brother and I are the oldest, so she's starting to be like, I'm 88, let's go. So it's, it's interesting. So then, what are your expectations like moving forward? Because I know you've like gotten rid of some of the dating apps and you have dating profiles now on um, like Match and whatnot. Do you have plans to go out to like bars or coffee shops or places where you can run into new people to try to... Um, find a relationship or find somebody how like how do you put yourself out there i I mean i don't i will uh, unfortunately and shamefully say i don't put myself out there because you know i have i think there are a lot of things that are holding me back in terms of being confident enough to trust that a rejection is not going to break me um i think i also have like feelings that I have to sort out that are holding me back um, in terms of hopes that I have for like other people plans in my life that are holding me from then putting you know like putting that to bed so in the abstract then what are some of those feelings that are holding you back how do I voice this I think feelings or maybe Feelings that some other areas of my life will realize themselves um, that I've been hoping for uh, to sort of be realized and that, you know, things will just figure themselves out so that I don't have to... But otherwise haven't materialized. That haven't materialized, exactly. So I'm like, oh, if that comes together, then I don't have to go through this whole brutal experience or exercise of going... Because I'm not going to go to the club. I'm not going to go to a bar... Um, and it's hard to do when, like, because I'm really the only single friend, and so you can't ask your girls, like, hey, I mean, some of them would, let's do a girls' night out, but many of them are mothers, and they have obligations, because, mm-hmm. like I said, I am past that whole, like, age, so a lot of my friends are onto their third kids, you can't drop everything to help me find, so I've kind of been avoiding that exercise, because there is so much attached to it, and putting all my eggs in a particular basket that I... I know it's not fruitful, but there's a side of me that's hopeful. But it's it's a defeating hope. I should let it go, and you've yelled at me about that. Well, it's, I haven't yelled. You've you've. I've talked sternly to you. Sternly, and no, not matter of factly. Yes. Um, you know, we've had that conversation where I say, if this doesn't materialize, then you need to put it in your rearview mirror mm-hmm. and move on from it, like completely, like cut it out because uh, it's not healthy it's not healthy to have that uh, attachment without some sort of return on the investment Mm -hmm. 
you know, just something that sucks more energy out of you than uh, brings in and doesn't help to replenish uh, and doesn't appreciate the person uh, that you are. So you need to cut that out from your life because it's parasitic in nature. So harsh. See, and, and, and consciously, I get that. The right. conscious side of me, the intellectual side of me, understands that. But the heartstring side of me, because I'm very much, I am an attached person, mm-hmm. which is why I think I value so much of like the friendships and the people that I have. And a lot of it has to do with probably the exile story of the way that we got out of Haiti. So now, when people and things come into my life, I have a hard time letting go until it's it's really no longer good for me. Um, and I don't know that I'm seeing that, and so which is why I keep holding on. But I see your side. I see that it's not a healthy, or, or not not healthy. It's not. It's easy for me to play Monday morning quarterback right. on this and like to help bring in a different perspective because you're close to that environment mm-hmm. and you know you're you're blinded by it. You have the tunnel vision mm-hmm. for it. So I'm on the outside, looking in, trying to pull you. Uh, out, out of the black hole yeah. um, that that just keeps sucking you down. I'm also a hopeless romantic. So in my mind, I think maybe? Maybe. So I think one of the things that we should do as an experiment Oh, sweet Jesus. is um, take you to some of the bars here in Boston <laughs> and see how you do. Like, just go oh, my and... My game ex- is weak, Adam. My game is... I really have no game. I have game for other people. I'm a great wing woman. Uh, I'm a wing man. And to me, <laughs> I mean, you know, we'll try to just see how, how it goes. I mean, we're not going to get, you know, stupid drunk or anything, but... Uh, just to dip your toe out into uh, the environment that is South Boston oh, and the nightlife that they've got going on. You do understand as a diehard Yankee fan, this is going to be quite hard for me. To... I'm not taking you to Fenway Park. Well, all Boston's the same to me. <laughs> there are many neighborhoods in Boston. Um, no, it, it's funny because when people hear me say that I struggle with like going up and talking to guys and being, you know, flirtatious and coy, they laugh because my cousins will all say, oh yeah, you flirt and talk to everybody. everybody. And I do, but I think I have no problem talking to people that I'm not like attracted to or interested in without well, being nervous. You don't have to talk to them or be attracted to them to talk to them. Like this will just be an exercise in... Uh, going out to a social environment where we know no one and try to start conversation with somebody. All right, let's bring it on. Let's see. All right, we good. Because if you can do that, then you can definitely put your number into some guy's pocket at church. His top shirt pocket, not pants pocket. <laughs> that would be weird. That would be scandalous, you know, working for the church and all that. <laughs> There's no scandal in the church. <laughs> Oh my. We should, I mean, listen, I can only go up from here, right? Yeah. You can. Um. Um, so one thing I want to talk to you about, because uh, we, like you said, we've been friends for 14 years. It's a long time. 
and I've, you know, I've had other friendships with guys, and the one thing that seems to change for some of them who I'm no longer friends with is that when they get married, their friendship with me changes because they now have a whole wife that... A whole wife. A whole wife. Not As half opposed a wife. to half a wife? No, a whole wife. Um, no quarter wives? No quarter wives. Well, that's, you know, that's more a Utah thing. <laughs> Those are sister wives. <laughs> I'm just saying. But... What do you like? Do you think, as a married man, and in, in this new journey of your life, I'm so grateful we've been able to continue our, our relationship, and I have a wonderful um, friendship with with Betty, and I see her as my friend, as equally uh, as you are. But even what, a, aside from me, like yeah. you're friends with her, not be, not because of or in spite of, but like you guys have a genuine connection of friendship mm-hmm. that exists outside of me right she's I, I completely see her as a sister and, and we gravitate to each other um instantaneously i'm so grateful for that but i know that's not always the case mm-hmm. so how is it that you think as a married man platonic friendships it's one thing of course when you come into a relationship with them already but right. then new friendships or you know yeah, what's so your take on that i feel like platonic friendships uh, a can happen very easily because you're able to set boundaries, right? Yeah. It's not something that um, can like you, you know from the very beginning like where you stand. Mm-hmm. Like I met you when I was a seminarian, so in my head I already had a boundary. There's a big set. X. <laughs> Well, not even a big X, like, because an X would imply that there's, uh, you know, a choice in the matter. I see. You know, because where I was coming from, uh, from the point of celibacy, it wasn't even the option of a choice. It was a Mm non-starter. You know, it wasn't a friend zoning or anything. It was, this is a lifestyle and this is the boundary now that I'm Surrounding uh, surrounding myself in. So... Uh, platonic friendships are great and I think a majority of the friendships that I have uh, outside of seminary uh, were women because I lived in an all-male environment Mm -hmm. um, that could either be toxic uh, as far as like over masculine Mm -hmm. or um, toxic in pettiness because of a certain sense of ego sense of ego or you know um, bitchiness. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. Men get bitchy. They, oh wow! You have a brother. I'm sure he's had his bitchy moments. <laughs> and Pete, yes. <laughs> we love you. Yes, Peterson. The, no disrespect to you. I've got brothers. They can be bitchy. I have sisters. They can be bitchy. Everybody can be bitchy if an occasion calls for yes. it. But when you live in that environment, like you need to have some estrogen. Uh, pumped into uh, your life to help balance uh, yourself out. Mm-hmm. So I think the not just the idea, but the very reality of platonic friendships help to keep uh, your head on straight because it's somebody that you can go to and talk with uh, where there's not that um, element of uh, ulterior motive. Because, and I've said it once, I'll say it a thousand times, the English language sucks 
when it comes to trying to describe love because you love your lemon lime seltzer <laughs> you love your grandmother mm-hmm. you love the new york yankees They're you love like all those things yeah. on different planes yeah. but you use the same word that's you know? true i never thought of that is that is ingenious of you well it's not me it's you know People have described it. Philosophers have described it. Yeah. You know, Greek has four different categories okay. for love. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got, you know, you agape like something. You got agape being the highest, yeah. the divine love. You've got uh, erotic love, the eros mm-hmm. that you share with a spouse. You've got the philios mm-hmm. that you share with, uh, you know, friends. Mm-hmm. And then there's the uh, another one that I forget. It's like the base form of yeah. love. But, you know, they have words to describe those things. Mm-hmm. You know, when you live within that plane of the philios, the friendship love, because you're honestly searching for the good in the other. Right. You want the good and you're not trying to take advantage of or um, otherwise coerce uh, something into a sexual nature that it doesn't belong to that relationship. Exactly. And I think that is the basis for a platonic friendship. You know, searching for the good in the other, having that love, Mm -hmm. and both being on the same page, and not having it be corrupted. And and I think therein lies the issue, because you you go into these friendships with that intention of of being filios and being, you know, the searching for the good in the nature, but then you, society doesn't all think, especially the secular society doesn't think like, you and I do, and so therefore you have people who try to corrupt it or try to question you about it. You know, there was... Um, they may really not even be... They may not even understand that they're corrupting it uh, to a certain extent. I feel like they are trying to jump classes, so to speak, like the phases, like getting to know... Like having that baseline attraction building a mm-hmm. relationship and a trust mm-hmm. and then from there uh, growing into an eros love um, turning it into the erotic like they're skipping steps they're trying to go somewhere no but I mean like people out. questioning the fact that you have a platonic relationship and, and what's wrong you know because society will very quickly tell you that a guy and a girl can't be just friends because um, I come from the school of psychology, you know, having studied in school and social psychology has tons of studies and tons of, you know, people who will espouse to that a guy and girl friendship can't work for too long because at one point one feels something for the other and it kind of switches back and forth until either the friendship fizzles or boundaries are set. But I don't, you know, I don't, I love you. I love you too. We've never, I feel like that's never that's been never a been... thing. Um, but society will try to tell you that. And so, like, when people, you know, thinking back to some of the other friends I used to have who we were just those platonic friends and there was nothing weird or sexual or seducing about the nature of our friendship, but when they meet someone else who is their person, they're quickly told, oh, no, 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 you can't. That's, you know, like, they're not seeing it the same way that you and I, mean, I see it. There, there has to be an open-mindedness also and sensitivity of uh, you know when someone gets involved to the partner and if the partner uh, isn't okay with it right then you have to respect that 
backed you know? out very quickly. And I and I don't mind it, but then it, it just goes it to sucks. show you. It sucks, <laughs> right? So you have a friendship that's ended or that's been um, sidelined. changed or sidelined and, and all because somebody else had an issue. Rightfully so. You know, you have to respect the boundaries. I wouldn't say an issue. I would say an insecurity. You think it's an insecurity? Yeah. I think so. Because if you have that platonic relationship with somebody and there isn't a sexual or um, otherwise flirtatious relationship Mm -hmm. and somebody wants you to cut off that relationship because they don't feel comfortable with you being friends with somebody of the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. I think that's an insecurity on somebody's on part. part. Okay. And to help keep the relationship, the other person will then say, I'm sorry, but for the benefit of the relationship that I have with my partner, I have to end ours. Yeah. You know, it's an, I, I understand that we're talking in the abstract and it's a logical practice of following through and it's easier said than done Mm -hmm. like if it were in person you know but you know I'm grateful that I have good healthy relationships with many female friends that my wife knows about and uh, is totally okay with Mm -hmm. because she knows that we're secure in our relationship and she knows what the intention is behind it those relationships and it's not something that I hide from her no you guys you were very honest with each other and and her embracing of that um I think because like you said you're right a lot of people women especially I think it it impacts them more there are some guys who you know they will tell their their girlfriends or their wives that they can't have male friends or like the work husband if that was a conversation we were also having at work um one of my coworkers had you know at her previous job a work husband it was just platonic but a silly play on words um, but other people didn't, you know, her husband didn't care. She like, he knew the guy, they were okay. But other people were like, that's, you can't do that. That's weird. That's weird. And so. It's not. It's, <laughs> but okay. So then how, you, you know, you talked about having previous female friends going into the marriage and the relationship you mm-hmm. share with Betty. What's the deal on new friends who were females? Like, where do you stand there? Do they exist? Do they I happen? Mean, I have acquaintances who I know, like through uh, my second job, but it's not something that I would, you know, I wouldn't go out to meet them for a drink Mm -hmm. out of the blue. Like, I have my friends. Um, You know, if, you know, we... I feel like now, because I have my set group of friends, Mm -hmm. and she has her set group of friends, I feel like now time is being spent with those groups of friends and uh, mingling those groups of friends Mm -hmm. and you know I befriend her friends husbands and she befriends my friends and we make uh, we make each other's friends our friends outside of each other yeah Um, so the idea of new friends coming in I don't really see because I don't have time for that (laughs) (laughs) that's true too our busy schedules allow for No. no new friends you know, and not saying that, you know, I'm not friendly with them, right. but like I'm not uh, calling them, asking them how their day is or checking in with them to see what's going on in their life. Like that's you know, not not something 
that I have the bandwidth for right. currently. Well, that's, I mean, it, you're, the natural state of your life allows for that, but it's good that you, get, like I said, you guys have such an established relationship that if by some fluke you were to meet a new friend, it's not, you know, it, and you're so honest with Betty that it wouldn't be, you can't have friends because now you're, because I've, I've seen that, you can't have friends because now you're a married person. Yeah. Um, and that's not fair, you know, you can't... Well, you can still but, be your own person right. in a relationship. You know, you're bringing your experiences and people uh, who have been with you into that relationship. They don't cease to exist, you know. They still exist. And I feel like for healthy relationships to thrive, there has to be... Um, a keeping of the sense of self that you brought in. Yeah, concessions have to be made on yeah. both sides, you know. I don't go out uh, drinking with my friends the way that I used to no. now that I'm married. I come home and I, you know, spend time with my wife. Yeah. I don't, I'm not out closing bars till two in the morning the mm-hmm. way that I used to when I was single and then waking up at seven to go to work. You know, it's... I don't think our ages would allow that. <laughs> no, now, definitely not. Um, but having a healthy relationship allows for trust to flow, allows for jealousy to not exist, Mm -hmm. and allows for um, the nurturing of those friendships by your partner to growing new relationships as couples. Yeah, I I firmly agree. And so so I've been very thankful because I think since Betty came into your life, I have seen such a powerful change in you as a man, um, but I've you know I've gotten to know this new person and and see the two of you come together in terms of like having a healthy seeing what a healthy relationship is like amongst our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like I have other friends who can also fit into that category, and so it's positive to see in the world of, of you know the struggles like I said of online dating that outside of what I think is awful about it. There is some good, and you guys are There a are testament. some success stories. There are. There are. I would like to be one of them, but we shall see. We're going to try to make you a success story. From your mouth to God's ears, Adam. From your mouth to God's ears. Well, you know what they say. What? Practice makes perfect, so... We're <laughs> going to put the prayers into practice and set you out into the wild of South Boston. Please come find me if I don't come home. <laughs> Anyone in Jersey listening? Call 311. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cassie, thanks for joining us it's on been fun. the podcast, thanks and we hope to have you back again soon. Yes, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.